0: You're a good friend of mine. i of guys, and welcome back to Talking With Shadows, the conversation everybody has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your host, Vic Whaley.
1: And Marcus D. And guys, if Vic seems a little crabby during the episode, it's because when we did our ritual uh, trip to Sonic, he did not get his uh, Reese's Pieces Super Mega... Red Moon Overload Blast. Okay, okay. That he gets every time. Okay,
0: I always go and get the Sonic Reese's Overload Blast because it has Reese's Pieces in it and I flippin' love Reese's Pieces. But they bring it out to me, no Reese's Pieces on it. So I'm like, hey, something doesn't look right. Are you sure this is the right order? And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. No, she said,
1: there's something wrong with our ice cream today. <laughs> okay, yeah, that was,
0: that was pretty weird. <laughs> that was her first explanation. So then I'm like, well, it usually looks different. Usually it has, you know, like Reese's pieces on. It. And after quite a bit of discussion, she's like, "Oh, um, can I go get some and you just put it on top?" I'm like, "Yeah, that's okay. I don't really mind mixing it myself. It's whatever." So she goes and comes back with like a thing of crushed up Reese's cups. Just hands it to me and then walks <laughs> off. And I'm just like, "The the heck?" So not only am I mixing my own shake now, I'm also like mixing the wrong toppings in.
1: Well, the whole time, like you're saying that to her, can I just, she's like, can I have some in a cup? And she just walking, and you're like, yeah, she walked away. I'm like, if if they had it, they, they could give it to you in a cup. Why didn't they just put it in
0: there and nobody, nobody, nobody says anything. I think, I thought they just forgot to put it in. That's what I thought was going on. <laughs> god why do we keep going to that sonic they are so bad so
1: bad well you know what i change up my order every now i don't i change up my order every now and then to mix it up i don't know why we keep going back there maybe it's because we don't want to drive all the way to dairy queen
0: maybe maybe that's it it could be just laziness
1: that's the reason why we're not doing it it. it it is close to the studio so it it is all right and uh today guys i'm gonna be drinking a uh virgin rum and diet coke That that was lame. (laughs) That That was was lame. (laughs) Oh, I I know it was, because I I don't think we we need to get alcohol for this episode. You just handed me a Diet Coke, and I'm like, alright. When I was cleaning the studio, I found some more
0: beers. Where's the beers? Yeah, yeah, let me get them. I didn't know that we were doing this.
1: Where's the the beers?
0: Over here. Where's the beers? Uh, I found one more of the Reds. You were hiding alcohol from me? I said I found it while was cleaning the studio. Surprise,
1: surprise. Isn't this convenient? I'm least, gonna take you, it back from you. No, no, you no, know no. That? no. No, 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 no. Okay, okay. we need a drink while we're talking about today's topic. We have a very good topic. Um but before we get into uh today's episode, I want to uh I want to go over some of the uh comments that you guys had from our last episode where we talked about mannequin people, this weird paranormal entity that people have been seeing that looks like a like a department store mannequin. If you guys haven't seen this episode, definitely go back and check it out. It's a it's a weird Interesting that more and more people
0: are uh, are are reporting seeing now. It's one of those really chilling, odd, obscure ones that you don't really hear about very often, but can really like hit you in the right place. Okay, so we got Shannon Chazbados
1: fan forty six said in Mexico there is a legend of La Pascualita I got that right. That might be related to the mannequin people topic on today's show. I would not be surprised if that is true. Uh, we've Actually, a lot of uh, topics that we've done, we've started noticing that there is a trend in other countries where people have reported similar things.
0: I actually don't know this legend offhand. I'm going to have to do some looking into it. Mm-hmm.
1: Let's see. Uh, uh, Steph said, the Kelpie is Scottish folklore, not English. You got, Uh-oh. You got served. Uh-oh. I, okay. back. Thank you, Steph. I appreciate that.
0: My bad, my bad. That area really isn't my area of focus, and sometimes I will get those confused. I want your know-it-all card back. You you can have it.
1: Gray, 9438 says, A theory I've heard with why people seem to witness paranormal entities while driving is that the act of going from one place to another puts them in a liminal state which either seems to attract paranormal or make people more perceptive to it.
0: I like that answer. I like that I,
1: answer I, a lot. I, I like that answer a lot. Actually while you're uh, while you're driving, uh driving creates a lot of anxiety and tension in a lot of people and when you do that it creates increased sensory acuity and it would probably make a person more inclined to be aware of strange stuff that's going on around them. So I totally believe that. Hundred uh, percent. Blue Steel says uh, patron, I believe. I no. Uh, Blue Steel says Thank you guys for the content. I just discovered your channel, and there's a ton of fascinating material to go through here. I try to find the rational explanation in everything, but I also think that there are just way too many still unexplained and weird phenomena that still happen for anyone to be able to just brush off this kind of stuff off. Even with how far we have come in science, there is still a ton of questions that we just don't have an answer for. Uh, I'll be sure to share your guys' the channel around my paranormal group so we can discuss. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you very much, man. I appreciate that. I I appreciate that a lot. And thank you, by the way, Blue Steel. We forgot to. Uh, I feel bad at this point. We're you know what? This entire episode is dedicated to you, Blue Steel, you who I realize that is a new our newest patron. You know, we to the one candle family. We haven't
0: cheers yet. Well, yeah. let's cheers now. Cheers to you, Blue Steel, and all the rest of our fans. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. And speaking of fans, I think it's time for us to make a certain announcement that mm-hmm. we've been. Uh, hinting at for a while. Mm -hmm. You guys have been
1: voting all month for the name that you want Vic and us to call you guys by. And the winner of our poll that we put out is Shades.
0: Rising from the shadows, skulking in the dark, seeking out all knowledge paranormal comes the Shades. Shades. I love it. I love it. I love that.
1: Thank you guys, everybody who submitted a name. Thank you guys, everybody for voting and giving your guys comments on it. It meant so much to us for you guys uh, giving us your input on this,
0: and thank you very much. And me and Marcus were talking before the show on how to pronounce the name of the person who actually gave this recommendation. We're going to go with uh, Illing, Illing Reality.
1: Reality. It was and, a, yeah,
0: and, and if that's not how you say that, please
1: let us know. We pronounced that as about as phonetically as we kind of could. That was a very interesting uh, <laughs> name. Uh, That they add there. But
0: thank you for the suggestion. Apparently, it was Mm -hmm. pretty well liked. Awesome.
1: Um, So, guys, I think it's time to get into today's episode. So, today, Mm -hmm. we're going to do something uh, a little bit different than what we we do. We thought that uh, for today's episode, we could kind of talk about something that's kind of a little bit close. uh, That's really close to me uh, and Vic's heart. Uh, As a lot of you guys know, me and Vic uh, work in mental health uh, as our day job. That's what we do. Uh, all day long. And we thought that uh, we would like to talk about mental health and its relationship to the paranormal Uh, all throughout, like the time that we've been uh, investigating the paranormal, uh, doing, you know, uh, case studies, home visits, um, researching stuff in the paranormal. um, Mental health comes up uh, a lot, uh, but it's not, I don't think it, but I don't think it's talked about uh, in, in the right context.
0: It's more thrown around as a, I almost say insulting. It is. It's a. It's a.
1: It's 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 weapon. You know, it's a weapon um, that people use in order to uh, shame people in the paranormal community. I mean, almost every single um, what is it skeptic explanation uh, for something in the paranormal usually includes that somebody is crazy and making it up, or that they're delusional.
0: Oh yeah, mass delusion, mass hysteria. Like even for things where lots of people see something, mm-hmm. and what happens when someone says, "I saw a monster," "I saw an alien," "I saw a ghost." A lot of people go, "That person's crazy," mm-hmm. you know. And you know, anybody that's really into the par- you know anybody in
1: the paranormal community can tell you, you know when you're when you're dealing with a, a paranormal experience, it can be, you know, in- incredibly traumatic. You know, I mean, I remember the day that, you know, I was talking about the, the, the that time that I saw a shadow animal while I was out in my backyard uh, reading a book. I mean, that, that stuck with me for just for days. And that wasn't even really, like, anywhere near traumatic as the extent of, like, some of the stories that we've read.
0: Oh, yeah. There's a few times where I've uh, had paranormal experiences while out in the woods, very far from civilization. And they've thrown me into kind of that fight or flight mode where it's like, mm-hmm. okay this is a bad spot. I could die here. I need to get to, to civilization fast.
1: And those are scary moments. Yeah. So I guess a good place to start, I think the, this conversation, why do you think that uh, that calling somebody crazy is, is thrown around so much uh, at people who claim that they have paranormal experiences?
0: Oh, I think that's an easy one. Most people don't want to have their reality threatened. And an easy way to prevent your your reality from being threatened is immediately to ostracize the person who's doing the threatening. Yeah. And I think most people don't want to open up to the possibilities that are out there. I don't think most people want to open up to, like, the potential that there are aliens out there abducting people, or there are cryptic creatures lurking beyond uh, our normal scope
1: of society. I think a lot of you know a lot of people want to you know they want to keep that feel. Of control in their lives and how many people are really gonna feel in control of their lives if they feel that in any moment you know a shadow person with red glowing eyes and a top hat could come into the could come into their home in any moment and there's probably not a lot that they could do about it
0: yeah I think another big part is that it upsets a individual's status quo like once you have what your reality is set You don't want to reopen, or most people don't want to reopen it, have to change it and reevaluate it. You see that with people when it comes to just general ideas. Like during your 20s, you're malleable. You're absorbing all these new ideas. During your early 30s, you're starting to slow down on it. And right around your late 30s, 40s, that's the point where a lot of the ideas that you have are more or less not necessarily locked but they're harder to change than when you were in your 20s.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're very, you're very set in your ways once you've reached that that, that point in your life. I you know some so many times, you know me 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 and me and Vic each have about about a decade of mental health and social work uh, you know under our belts. And you know so we we've, we've both have encountered people, you know, in our professional career that have claimed to have, you know, paranormal experiences. You know, so we've had a very behind the scenes sort of look at even how, you know, mental health providers and you know,
0: social workers and doctors even have, you know, even and talk about this stuff. We've been worried about it just for ourselves too. Like we we utilize pseudonyms yeah. mainly because we're concerned by how other people within the profession would yeah. view it yeah. and we spoiler kinda... alert
1: spoiler alert marcus and vick are our real names guys for those of you that
0: haven't been following us prior
1: to uh prior to the podcast
0: like since then like we've kind of slowed down on the necessity of it and more go with it because it's what we've always done yeah. <laughs> but initially we've... that was a big part of it and like um i know adam as well uh, you'll hear mm-hmm. us talk about longtime yeah. friend of the channel adam mathers and he also works in a very similar field to us and like he, he has to deal with the same sort of concerns, you know, uh,
1: you know, and a lot of times, you know, we, you know, we've encountered so many clients and patients that have come forward talking about, you know, dealing with instances in the paranormal and professionals, they, they laugh it off like all, all the time, you know,
0: they just assume anything. Okay. This isn't true about every professional in the mental health world. There are lots of them that are great. That's true. Like, but... okay. Sorry. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm probably, I'm probably
1: speaking a little bit earlier there. I think part of it, too, is that they are having to decompress for also dealing with somebody who's in a very traumatic situation as well because it's very traumatic to be around people that are going through traumatic experiences. So, you know, there's probably a little bit of that element that's in there, too. But
0: And beyond that, a lot of them don't take the time to consider the possibilities mm-hmm. out there. Um, as soon as someone says something that's outside the norm, they... Often stop examining is this a realistic perspective the person has, or are they just going to respond, oh, this is just psychosis? Yeah,
1: and like you know, I, I can remember one just easily off the top of my head. You know, me and Vic uh, were at work one day, and you know we had a patient that came, and they was talking about that. Uh, he was, uh, they were coming, and they were talking about, they were absolutely concerned. They were like, there are, there are, there are, there are politicians that are out in the woods, and they're performing these rituals before a giant forty foot owl.
0: Yeah, and everyone's like, "Oh man, they're they're really crazy." And I'm just like, "No, that that's a thing. Yeah, that's Bohemian yeah. Grove. Like, that's
1: that's a real thing." And everybody was just like, "What?" They're like that Pikachu gif where they're just staring blankly at
0: us. Yeah, I was referring people like to the snuck out video from yeah. Bohemian Grove.
1: <laughs> I think at that point we had even put on our video on Bohemian Grove, <laughs> just sharing it with people so that they could see what they were talking about. So like, like this person, you know, they were they were they were definitely mentally ill. But what they were communicating is a real thing. They weren't even communicating anything that isn't delusional. They weren't even doing any of the, uh, you know, possibly out there stuff. They were just talking about the confirmed stuff that just, there's Republican politicians in the woods that do weird ceremonies before a giant 40 foot owl. That was it. And that's legit stuff. Like that's all stuff that's 100% true you know but it was coming from a person that was mentally mentally ill so the mental illness had nothing to do with the stuff of what they were saying
0: you know and it, it was all just lumped together too yeah yeah so oh, people people are very hesitant to believe things that come from people who are mentally ill i people write them off way too quickly way too often um Just because sometimes someone has delusions or psychosis doesn't mean everything they say is connected to that. Mm -hmm. That is one part of who they are. That's not the full amount of who they are. But let's flip it. What about the stress that paranormal investigators have to be under? Absolutely. I get get that. Oh, yeah. Actually, I'm going to bring up an example involving you. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, okay, this isn't out yet or at least it's not out at the time of us recording this, but we do have an upcoming case file and it's a pretty long one on Topus mm-hmm. And when we were working on that, um oh yeah, how, yeah. how did that go for you? I I kind of snapped a little bit because it
1: really disturbed me for some of the stuff that I was finding like I, I didn't I didn't want, you know, I don't want to spoil it for the fact that that, the case files on up. That's our most recent one that I'm that I'm still working. It's a big one, but you know. It's, by the way, it's probably going to be one of the longest, longest case files that we've ever. Oh, done. it's gonna be the longest. Yeah, one. the longest that we've ever done. Um, you know, but as I'm as I'm researching it and I and I'm discovering things about tulpas and you know them as an entity and things that they could be doing. I'm I'm find, I found a very disturbing fact showing how organized they are. And I, I kind of lost it for a
0: little bit. I did. I was I was terrified. I was concerned. And what did I tell you real early into this one? Because he hadn't researched Tulpa's very much before we started working on that case file. Good. And one of the things I told you early on is be careful with this one. This one will screw with your head. Because years ago when I initially did some research on Tulpa, it screwed with me. It's, a, it's an idea that kind of screws with your mind a little it bit.
1: I, I was Alice falling down the rabbit hole... And I found the box that set of stuff that says "eat me," and I ate
0: the whole thing. Like that's kind of what ha- that's kind of what happened. And I've I've heard of plenty of paranormal investigators running into things that kind of went beyond their normal worldview, and either leaving the field or basically having to pull back for a mm-hmm. while, or even just the people who get too obsessed with it mm-hmm. and dive in too far too fast. Yeah, you, I mean, you can fall into this. You can definitely fall into this
1: world. And, and, and it'd be bad for health. I mean, I know that's why anytime that we go out on a paranormal investigation, one of the things that's really important to us, you know, when we come back is the cool down period, you know, where mm-hmm. we do something like, you know, we go get ice cream or we go to Denny's or we go smoke a cigarette or something like that, where, you know, it's in order to, to, to cool our jets, so to speak, before we come back to get us in a better you know, mind frame before we go, before we go
0: home. Mm-hmm. It's always good to say, shake off that sort of energy. You don't, you don't want to bring it back with you. You
1: know, and, and it's, and it's weird. Like if you, you know, if you go out there, there are the hundreds if not thousands of paranormal uh groups that are out there. You know, there are tons. Like if you, like, you know, for this, for this episode, you know, I went out and I researched, you know, uh paranormal support groups just to see what was out there, to see what was out there. And I, the, what I had to, what I had to dig through, well, it's just page after page after page after page after page of people's paranormal groups that they, you know, paranormal investigative groups. So there's all these paranormal investigative groups that are out there. But, you know, there's there's not a whole lot of support groups out there for people that have had paranormal experiences. I mean, even if you think about people that go through, that have really traumatic jobs, you know, firefighters, police officers, even, heck, even me and Vic, like, you know, our work offers mental health services for people when, you know, when they, when they, when we need it, because we go through a lot of traumatic experiences and you, you know, if you're a paranormal investigator, that's worth your salt, that has been around for a while. You're going to be going through some very traumatic experiences and things like that. And so that, you know, it leads me to believe that there's all these paranormal groups out there that are having these paranormal
0: experiences and probably not able to get the mental health treatment they need. But we're, we're we're kind of a cloistered, insulary sort of people, like paranormal investigators. We we tend to turn inward, and when we do turn outward, it's usually only so far as the people we really trust. Mm-hmm. At least that's my experience within the field. Likely, people are more reaching out to other investigators with similar experiences. All right. Which but- I I hope I really hope that that's what what's people doing. I know when I run into an issue in the paranormal, I reach out to a close person. That has had similar experiences. Like I will reach out to Marcus, or I'll reach out to um, Ricky, or I'll reach out to Adam. Mm-hmm. But it, but to me, to me, I, th-
1: that sounds like Paranormal Investigator Anonymous. <laughs> like this sounds like this. That's Paranormal Investigator, anonymous, which is great because you have somebody in that's a peer. You know, that's like you know, Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, and, and Narcotics Anonymous. You're you're talking to somebody that's new peer to help you. But there's even an element past that. Where somebody who's had a real, truly traumatic paranormal experiences that probably needs professional help, and you know, it, I, I, I wonder, you know, I wonder, like, actually, I don't even wonder, like, I just, I know for a fact that's probably a giant hole that's in our community for stuff that we just don't have.
0: Oh man, I couldn't imagine going to a regular therapist or a regular psychi- uh, psychiatrist, and tried to talk about a paranormal experience yeah
1: like the okay so i guess this is where like if you want to like for me like where i where i first started looking and i thought would probably be the easiest to look at what does mental health look like in the paranormal like i look at you can look at like abductee support groups that's probably the most prevalent that's out there like the number one prevalent support group that's out there you can find abductee paranormal uh, support groups but if you look at like the professionals and I'm, and I'm trying to, I'm not trying to be, you know, I'm not trying to mean like it and you know, I, I use professionals somewhat in a loose term. Like I saw some people that look like they were genuine licensed mental health providers that look like they were providing services for people that have gone through a really traumatic experience of say like being abducted by aliens. Um, but a lot of uh, abductee uh, mental health providers are like hypnotherapists and the, the purpose of it is to try to, because again, a lot of abductees have experiences of screen memories. They have lost time. They have these absent memories of things that they can't remember. They just have flashes of their experience of being abducted. And these hypnotherapists, it seems, are people to try to help them regress and try to remember these, these past events. You know, and, you know, you know, me and Vic are not licensed therapists. Like we're, we're not, I mean, we're even, we're scrutinized heavily, heavily on the groups that we do at work because again, you don't want to work outside your scope because you, you know, like for example, like we're not supposed to do self-expression groups where like, you know, for example, like um, there's like a circle in the middle and you draw whatever you want or guided meditation, things like that, because people with you know, people that have acute mental illnesses, things like schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder, if they dive into their mind and then they have some sort of an experience, they bring up some sort of memory, it requires an extremely trained professional uh, to guide them back from that. So, you know, uh, it it makes me, it it, may, it it worries me some a little bit as to, as to what some of those experiences are like with people that have to go through a like hypnotherapist that go through hypnotherapy to remember their abductee experiences
0: it seems I, I, I get it especially with abduction you want to know what happened to you right. it's like I, I get that that why this would exist but I don't understand why there's not more f- for that I, I have heard that there are UFO, like group therapy sort of things mm-hmm. but they're they seem to be pretty rare
1: mm-hmm. like I think the closest one that I found even to us was in Chicago um, of a of a group that meets up to do uh, to talk about their their experiences and even if you go through like Facebook like there's tons of there's tons of uh, Facebook groups that are essentially supportive groups you know you know if you have if you suffer from anxiety depression, um, all these things, you know, these things, there, there are groups for people that are there to support you and things like that. Um, I found like one abductee group. Um, it was very private and I haven't been able to, I have been able to join get in cause I'd feel weird about being a part of that because they really only wanted people that had actually had experiences, uh, to join the group, you know, stuff like that. But it, there was a very, you know, again, you're having, I was just sifting through just paranormal group after paranormal group on Facebook trying to find any. So why do you think there aren't more groups like that? Like, why do you think there is, like, do you think that there's just not people coming forward with their
0: experiences? Do
1: you think, I bet you on
0: one side, it's a lack of professionals wanting to make that a focus of their career. And I think on the other hand, there's a degree of issues with stigma. Um, and Okay. One thing that I've noticed a lot of people in the mental health profession try to avoid is they don't want to get locked into conversations with a person who is currently delusional. True. They're difficult to get out of conversations. They can often be roller coaster rides of emotion for the person who's telling it. Uh, although, often when someone's reporting, like a paranormal experience, like e- even if I'm working with someone who's delusional, who's talking about a paranormal thing, I don't chime in on it, but I don't immediately disbelieve it either. But I could see, I could see people trying to avoid that, assuming that everything in the group's going to be just delusion. Okay, just, just imagine you don't have any experience within the field of the paranormal. God. You are a um, master level uh, therapist you have been approached about running a group to help people deal with experiences that they've had outside of what would normally be deemed considered standard reality. If you don't have this sort of background, what does it sound like your job's going to be? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's... it's. I could easily see why people from outside the community would steer away from this.
1: Absolutely. Like, I I was reading in... uh... I was reading an article um, from Baylor University by a guy named Christopher Bader, and he did this whole um, paper uh, where he was researching um, uh, support groups, essentially, like people's experiences and stuff uh, of uh, UFO abductees, as well as um, um, uh, ritual abuse survivors, like people that survived the Satanic Panic, for back from the claim that you know that they the claim that they were victimized during the Satanic Panic back during the 80s and things like that. And him trying to find information on these things, he had to reach out to uh, to some providers. Like in, the, in order for him to find the information on people that uh, were reported uh, victims of uh, ritual abuse um, back in the 80s, he had to reach out to therapists and promise that all of the therapists would remain anonymous. They could reach out to their clients and they themselves could actually report all of this data back to them. Like, it had to be super hush hush for him to even get this data from professionals that were working with people that have claimed to have had these kind of experiences.
0: Do you think that predatory supernatural entities would likely target someone who is mentally ill? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's my thoughts too. Like, absolutely. Uh, look at, like,. Some of the stuff that we've talked about over the years when Mm -hmm. it comes to um, shadow people. Mm -hmm. We've tried to work out an MO across a lot of different videos on this. Mm -hmm. And from what we can tell, based on the people that... um, The shadow people who consistently... We're not talking about you just saw a shadow person. We're talking about the ones that come for repeat visits and just seem to be harassing a singular person. They seem to be looking for someone who can be broken down easily. That's not going to be trusted, and that they can try to gain dominance over without someone coming in to remove them from their life. Yeah. and I believe that they would target people like
1: that. Absolutely. When I when I when I first got into uh, when I first got into social work, uh, getting out and I was talking to uh, police officers Cause here in Indiana we have a huge methamphetamine problem uh, here in Indiana, and they were talking about people that uh, like meth users. One of the things that happens to them is many of them report seeing the shadow people. Like it's part of meth user culture. Like people that are first started, um, you know, current addicts will tell them you may see the shadow people. These entities are going to come to you. I remember a lady that I then uh, that I had to talk to that when she was on um, uh, meth, she tore her whole van apart looking for the shadow people that she thought were in there. So I totally believe that I totally believe that entity like this would probably prey on
0: somebody. This is this is a good like segue that. here. Yeah. Do you, I know under the effects of a lot of different drugs, people claim to be able to have certain paranormal experiences, like in your example of meth and shadow people. Do you think this is a situation of the drug opening up your mind to being able to perceive that which was already there, or mm-hmm. do you think this is you placing yourself in a vulnerable position? and then pre- predatory supernatural beings now flocking to you. Is this like a blood in the water sort of thing, or is this you putting on your goggles to see the shark? No, I...
1: I you know, I, I, I think people turn to a lot of substances uh, as as an unhealthy way of coping with things, and I think that often makes it and I think that this often makes it worse for people. I think that puts a lot of undue stress on them. And I think it makes them a target. I think it makes them a ta- I think it makes them a target for people.
0: Yeah, I think that when it comes to particularly meth, I think it's either it does something specific to the brain that causes a consistent hallucination or it's opening up them to being a victim of this sort of spiritual attack
1: you, you see the same thing with human predators too that will target people that will that will target people that already have substance abuse problems or will give them a substance abuse problem so that it makes them easier to control so that it makes them you know easier to victimize that that, that person so i think it puts them in a, i think it puts them in a situation to open them up to paranormal entities
0: Speaking of speaking of that sort of predatory behavior, I've also ran into cases where, and this is a lot of these I ran into back when um, me and Adam used to take a lot of uh, cases here in Indiana. And we would occasionally run across cases where uh, people were trying to utilize the paranormal as an excuse for their bad behavior. Um, like for example, and this does go well beyond bad behavior into criminal behavior, but uh, we had someone who contacted us through uh, one candle society and we're saying that they were dealing with issues of possession. Possession is already a issue that we generally steer clear of. There are certain things that we can help people with there's certain things that we can't. And true possession is one of those things that we as a group have agreed that, is more or less outside our scope. But usually when someone says possession, they don't truly mean possession. So we looked into yeah. the case anyways. Yeah, if you tell us you're possessed, we're going to give you 1-800-THE-POPE. Yeah, yeah, more, <laughs> I'm going to refer you to the Catholic Church. Yeah. but Or, or certain Shinto um, temples as well. Yeah. We're going to find a Shinto temple in it here, here at Evan's You're going to travel. You're <laughs> going to travel to go to it. But if you don't like the Catholic Church, I, I've seen some stuff out of uh, some of the uh, shinto temples that makes me think they might be able to pull it off too Good point. but okay but moving on moving on um so we went to have our interview and we would always have interviews with people before we would take their case and basically what was being described was this the boyfriend would go into this fugue state and then beat up his girlfriend and then say he felt like something had possessed him And that's why they were reaching out to us as paranormal investigators. And yeah, we did not take this case. We gave them all the information to various different groups that can help with domestic abuse situations and stuff like that. But this was a case that both me and Adams kind of looked at each other went, this is this is not something that we should be taking on. This is something Mm -hmm. that should be being handled by a therapist, an anger management clinic, something along those lines. And but we did we did say that if they went and got a psychological evaluation and returned with a clean bill of health, we would consider reopening it, yeah. but not before that. Mm-hmm. And we actually had done that several times um, back when uh, we would do these um, these cases. If someone came in with a situation where we were concerned that this could be mental health, not um, not like the paranormal, what we'd always do is we'd say we'd like for you to go in and get seen for a consult. And then, if they give you a clean burial bill of health, just come right back to us. We are ready to open mm-hmm. this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, again, that's and, and that's a very, um, I think that's a very good standard to
1: to hold. I mean, that's what the Catholic Church does. I mean, if um, the 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 real story of you know from the movie the from um, the movie The Exorcist, the Catholic Church turned down that family numerous times uh, until they had until they had eliminated mental health as a possibility um, before they actually did the exorcism.
0: And I think that's important to do, for this for the safety of the person who's coming to you for help. Mm-hmm. I and mean, I'm not saying we did this every time; just times where we felt there's something hinky going on that we thought, oh, there might be more to it than just this.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, you know. And speaking of mental, and speaking of middle, is this a good point to transition to a new topic? Do we want to keep going on this? No. What, what, what you got? I from so. Something that we don't talk a whole lot about uh, on our podcast or on the channel, really, we don't talk about psychics a whole lot. Oh, that's like, true. like psychic, like you know, I, I'm a pretty big skeptic. Like, I'll be the, I'll be the first between me and Victor, really, like scrutinize the story to look for like a logical explanation or something and something. But you know, really deep down, really deep down, psychic phenomenon like psychics are something that I generally actually believe, and I think the phenomenon is probably rare. Um, but one of the things that I've had a hard time, um, believing is, um, is that more psychics don't struggle with mental health, like, like mental health issues. And cause if you think about it, imagine if you yourself could go out and you were either a picking up everybody's thoughts around you or your, or everybody's emotions and how they felt up to supernatural levels. I don't know how somebody could maintain their sanity with that i mean i think the average person locked with their own demons in their head is hard enough as is but now you got to deal with everybody's
0: around you i'm always so surprised i was listening to an interview uh maybe a year or so ago on um mysterious universe where they were talking with a lady who can see um Spirits, not spirits as in like ghosts and mediums, more like uh spirits as in like an animistic spirit or like a, a bring up Shintoism for a second now, like mm-hmm. a Shinto spirit. Uh who's been able to see that and she basically discussed how yeah, for a long time this really screwed me up and the only thing that really helped me was accepting that these were real. Yeah. That's what got me moving again. Yeah. Like I you know, like when I do like when I do
1: like when I do stand up <laughs> like stand- comedy, being able to read a room is a real thing like you can go out and you can feel the energy of a room now i'm not claiming that's any sort of like weird psych like that's not a a paranormal thing to me but you know you know i I, i've gotten highs off of feeling the energy coming off a room like that or it's brought me real low i'm just thinking about like the the amount of like if you take that to a to a paranormal level on somebody how that doesn't drive people insane for early age because the thing that i've heard from a lot of people is that oh i learned to to cultivate it at at an at early age but i have a hard time even believing that kids that young could handle that kind of trauma i mean kids deal with a lot of trauma i guess but maybe but like but that's that's always
0: stuck with me like that just thought that i don't i don't know how people come to terms with that i'm not a psychic but i've always kind of held by this viewpoint when it came to that we, if you're if you're stuck in a situation where you have these experiences, you have no control really at that point to stop it. Mm-hmm. You either learn to survive to survive it or you don't. Mm-hmm. And most people are going to find a way to cope with it because they don't have an option to not cope with it. Mm-hmm. It is this is what their reality is. This is in their face. You gotta learn to survive with it or you're going to die. <sighs>
1: oh God, could you imagine you know the me? kind of coping skills that it would take for a person to be able to come to terms with that?
0: Mean, yeah, so we, it would take really hardcore coping like, skills,
1: but they'd be really well cemented by the yeah. time you're an adult. But, but think about think about how much me and you have to, you know, have to do. How much we have to do to cope with the trauma, the stuff that we see on a day to day basis, and then think about what a person would have to do if they had supernatural levels of empathy or telekinetic ability to be able to read people's minds or their thoughts.
0: It's been a while since I read the article, but I was reading an article a while back uh, and they're talking about empathy and how it's not something that you can just stretch out there all the time. Empathy is a finite resource that we have that you can give out so much empathy, but at a certain point, it starts to double back on you. It starts becoming a stressor. It starts becoming Mm -hmm. a weight around your neck and how that people who are overly empathetic are at extreme risk for doing serious mental harm to themselves. Oh, yeah. Like uh, being, being in a constant state of being in touch with other people's emotions. I could see that, how that could be incredibly overwhelming.
1: Like, like the stuff that we see at work and well, what we have to come to, I mean, there's days we have a rough day and we got to, you know, we go up for, we have to just go out for a drink or just something, just decompress.
0: Just for clarification, guys, I know we've been dancing around the issue a little bit, um, we work with some amazing people, but we do work on a unit that can be very aggressive at yeah, times, yeah. and it's not uncommon for us to get death threats or oh, yeah. have someone take a swing at us. That's just part of doing the job, and of course, we always come at it from the perspective of they're sick, calm them back, you know, yeah, they're yeah. sick, help them calm back, calm them back down, and then we're all going to be friends again,
1: mm-hmm. you know, and and you know you ha- you have to you have to do that, but not I don't think everybody has the ability to to do that you know i don't i don't i don't don't think
0: everybody does you know you know while we're talking about mental hospitals and things like that Mm -hmm. what about the almost constant folklore of haunted mental hospitals oh yeah i was reading about
1: one in massachusetts that has like its own weird particular shadow uh uh, shadow person being that's got like that like crawls on the walls in there you know or waverly Mm -hmm. you know
0: and it would not surprise me at all if it was a situation where they are more likely to be haunted than other structures absolutely because think about all the energy that's been poured out in those areas all the stress all the anguish all the pain it's like a buffet for paranormal for predatory paranormalities yeah and the the whole place would be extremely charged around. like people talk about Emotionally charged areas being prime spots for paranormal activity, and I could only imagine a someone in a manic state putting out distress would put out a ton, just a ton more emotional energy than an average person in anguish. Absolutely. And now imagine a building filled with people like that. You know, think, you know, but think about,
1: you know, go back to Waverly. You know, Waverly's been closed for what year? God, what thirty years at least? I mean, they've been closed for a while. And it's, it's still haunted. You know, I mean, it's still, you know, a paranormal, you know, top paranormal investigative
0: place for everybody. I mean, once a place gets saturated like that, do you think it really ever recovers, though? No. I don't think, I, don't, I, I think probably
1: something like that, it's probably going to stain it for... For a very long time,
0: like I've never been to Waverly. I've always kind of wanted to go, but at the same time, it's one of those Cause everyone goes. To, it's because it's expensive to get in, and everyone goes to Waverly. Yeah, that's true. It's like why, why do I want to go to? It trot the boards at some place where everyone's trotted the boards. Yeah. I'd rather go someplace mm-hmm. like brand spanking new. That that's one of the reasons I really like Ricky. Yeah, he Ricky always to, has yeah. the weirdest place yeah, for he, us
1: to go. He's like, <laughs> I found this random abandoned tunnel out in the middle of nowhere. Let's go. I'm like, that was really awesome. fun. Yeah, that, that was on. Awesome. That's awesome. You know, or or we found the what was it that abandoned lock and dam up in up in Leavenworth. He always finds those weird places for us to for us to go and things like that.
0: Let's see anything else that we were wanting to hit up on the paranormal and mental health.
1: <sighs> I think we I think we touched on a lot of I think we touched I think we touched on a lot of different stuff.
0: There are a few things we could have hit on, but. Maybe we can push some of that off. Maybe we'll do a part two of this, like in a year or well, something. We still, well, we still have the uh, we still have the uh, pillow talk segment that That's we got to go into. I know we're going to talk about a lot about um ab- like psychology and the abduction experience. Yes, yes, let's do that. I think this may be a good. Uh, I think this where you get time to kind of segue
1: into that because I think that we've been going about this for a while. So anyway, guys, I hope that you guys liked uh, this episode. I know it was a little different than normally for what me and Vic did, but I thought it would be a good opportunity for me and Vic to kind of highlight some stuff that doesn't get brought up enough, um, I think, in the paranormal community. Um, And gave us a chance to kind of talk about a little bit of our professional experience and how we mix that professional experience with the paranormal as well.
0: And if you like this sort of thing, let us know and we'll do a follow-up in maybe a year. We
1: can definitely do a part two of this easily.
0: and if you don't like this sort of thing, let us know. Yeah, let us yeah let us know, let, let us know below. <laughs> we just uh, wanted to give that. you guys something a little different than our our usual of diving into an obscure story. So I hope you guys enjoy that, guys. Uh, but until next time,
1: keep believing because we'll keep listening. All right, guys. Now we're gonna slide into our pillow talk segment here. Uh, this is where we continue the episode for our uh, patrons who get a little bit more of this episode where we talk about some other stuff here for our episode. Um, if you guys are enjoying this, all you're going to do to get the rest of this episode is go over to our Patreon and sign up to become a patron today.
0: You said episodes so many times there.
1: Hoosh. Hoosh <laughs> whoosh. You know what? This red apple peach is starting to kick in. Okay. I mean, apparently one is too much. Uh, one, is, one is too many for me. Okay. I don't think I have a drinking problem, though. But that, that got me thinking about something. Going back to the the, the the shadow people thing that I was talking about, that is really a thing in the meth community. Like When you start doing meth, the veteran tweaker is supposed to tell you, like, look, man, okay, when you do this, you may see some shadow people with red glowing eyes that may come after you. Like, if that doesn't scare you away from drugs, I don't think the D.A.R.E. program stands <laughs> a chance, okay? I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh damn, man! <laughs> like it, it just, it's just—it's so true. It's so true. It's so true. Like it, you know. I don't think the dare program is as effective as what people make it out to be. But all right. So again, we're gonna keep we're gonna keep this episode going. Um, I thought we'd talk a little bit more about the uh, the psychology of the abductee experience because that's probably.
0: Okay, I want to jump right into this. Okay. I, I have a I have an elephant in the room. I want to start talking about. Okay, let's talk about the elephant. Okay. During hypnotic regression, you're very susceptible to influence. And a lot of major cases come from accounts recounted during